0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharena Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling, mom of two, wife of one, here to share everything speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and all of that other stuff that falls in between. World changers. It is the second week of November. It's my birthday week. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I'm so excited about this week. I treat birthdays like I treat holidays. And in my mind, my birthday is a national holiday. Why? Because it's my day, the day that I decided to come into this world. And I am so excited to see another year. I'm not one of those people that lament, you know, or lament. I cannot ever say that word. Lament. That sounds more like laminate, right? But anyway, I'm not one of those people who lament over getting a year older. I actually take the time to reflect on everything I did the year before and what I want to look forward to in the next year. And big shout out to my sister because she surprised me with the cutest little sweater. I can't wait to put that bad boy on. So I'm excited about another year and just whoop whoop to that. But world changers, that's not why we're here today to talk about my birthday. We are here to continue on the journey of we all just get along. OMG. November is devoted to talking about real life stuff that happens in the home, in the community that we experience, those taboo subjects that just don't necessarily always get talked about, but are experienced by world changers. And so last week we talked about sibling jealousy and that stuff is no joke. When siblings, when you have a normal sibling, and a sibling who has a diagnosis, man, let me tell you, boxing gloves come out because they are suddenly vying for time and it can just be a big old, you know, like just it's muddled, it's murky. It could become a mess if we are not intentional and we don't take action. And so I was really excited to talk about that topic in world changer. I hope that it worked for you. So if you didn't check out that episode, please do. But today, we are going to continue talking about siblings. And today, we're going to talk about sibling exclusion from play. Here is the scenario. Dear Sharina, we have a house full of sugars. One of our little ones has a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. Although our sugar has made steady progress over the years, we notice that the other siblings leave her out of play. She has learned how to share. She does not tantrum. And she communicates it doesn't seem like the other siblings are willing to keep her involved. Is there anything we can do? That is a fabulous question. It is such a fabulous question. And you know what? You have such a huge heart, I can tell, because you want to make sure that sugar is not just meeting goals, but sugar is getting involved and becoming part of the community. And Who wouldn't want that? So I'm glad that you sent that question in. It's not something that's not normal. It's called the Playground Wars, right? Like if you keep up, you keep up. If you don't, you don't. But you know, we'll we'll dive into it and see how things go. I'm hoping I'll help. First things first. For the world changers who have no clue what autism spectrum disorder is, or you haven't listened to the show in past episodes, I got to get you on the same page. I can't leave you out there in those streets not knowing what we know. That's not fair because you might be like, autism, what are you even talking about? May have seen a commercial or two, but I don't know what that entails. So I'm going to tool you up with that. Autism is a diagnosis in children that it usually gets diagnosed in the toddler years. And the reason that it gets diagnosed in the toddler years is because suddenly milestones are not met and they're usually social milestones communicating back and forth learning new language play skills engaging in conversation picking up on social cues responding to their name getting from one thing to another we call that transitioning and sometimes some sensory sensitivities where there is some difficulties with the things they see the the stuff they smell the stuff they taste the things they hear and what they touch and so sometimes these things can impact their development because if things are off balance, then it gets in the way with how they interact and how they interpret the world around them. And sometimes even our messages and our social cues, they just don't quite pick up on it. But through a lot of intervention and support, they can pick up on things. And I've seen fabulous progress over the years. So it's not like a lifelong sentence. It really isn't. It just depends on the level of severity. And we have some kids who are extremely mild to where just maybe some social skills are impacted and maybe a little bit of sensory stuff or maybe no sensory stuff and just social skills all the way over to the other side to where it's more severe and there's another diagnosis with it. It can range. It really can range. That's why they call it a spectrum because it can go from one side to the other side. So that's autism. But back to your question. So I will say, world changer, for you who has the older siblings, it's never too late to get things started. For you who have the smaller little sugars at this point, it's time to get started now. And I'll work with that at the end. But right now, I want to really get into this question. So world changer, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to ask yourself, Remember, November, reflective month. is my month, so I want to be reflective and I want you to reflect with me. Are you setting the standard? Setting the standard, we take so much for granted that we are the ones that set the standard. From birth to three, really until sugars go to school, we are the ones that sugar picks up on how to socialize, how to interact, how to engage. Like, we take those skills into the school, we take those skills that we learn from you, mom and dad, to the world around us. And so sometimes we think that play is reserved only for kids. That kids play, adults don't. Or if they're not babies and toddlers, then we don't play anymore. And I am a firm challenger of this myth. I don't mess around with that. I think that everybody should play in some way, shape form or fashion because not only is it a great way to connect with your sugar, it's also a great way to engage with them, to learn where they are, to build vocabulary, on and on and on. Oh my gosh, there's a book coming out about that, but we'll save that for later. Anyway, I really do challenge the myth about play only being reserved for kids. And sometimes we have to be the ones setting that standard because we're the ones that are teaching and showing them what to do. And so if we're showing our other sugars how to play. And if we're doing things to promote that play, then they'll be more willing to jump in there and do their thing as well. And so I would suggest first things first, if you're not doing this already, take the time to play with your sugars. It could be as simple as five to seven minutes a day. The second question I would have for you is, did the other siblings have the opportunity to learn how to engage and interact with sugar? This is crucial. I talk about this a lot in sibling jealousy can't we all just get along because if they don't know like then they can be making assumptions even if they're quiet assumptions and if we don't know then we're making the quiet assumption that the other sugars are rejecting my sugar because they have this diagnosis but do they know how to play with sugar and do they feel comfortable playing with sugar Was it a good experience when they were younger? Has it changed over time? Have they been able to see that change? Do they know how to engage with sugar? Do they know how to hold conversations and, you know, go back and forth? The reciprocity of communicating with them. What are their expectations when communicating with them? Are they intimidated by them, quietly intimidated, which is why they kind of shy away with them? What's the perception? Is there stigma involved? Has there always been a lot of grace for other sugar with the diagnosis and not so much for the other sugars? Because all of that stuff can play a role in how they interg- engage and interact. I was trying to put intergage together. I guess that's engage and interact. What is that? That's funny. But I would start asking questions. <laughs> I made up a word, y'all. <laughs> intergage. <laughs> Anyway, But I would seriously start asking questions to see kind of where they're at and what their comfort level is, because just like we have comfort levels with certain things, so do they. And they have a right to. But it's our job. This is where our job comes in to kind of help guide that along and guide how they perceive things outside of themselves. And so I would really, really get into that. The third question I would ask you is, what is the perception in the home? There's a difference between siblings learning differently and siblings doing differently. Everybody learns differently. Everybody's wired differently. Everybody approaches the same task differently. I always say to my husband, I said it to him for years, because we think from very different lenses and we might be attacking the same task, but how he would attack it and how I would attack it would be completely different. And so... We had to come to terms with if you're attacking something in one way, then I don't need to come in and tell you that my way is better or control or dominate the way that you're attacking something because you don't need that from me unless you specifically say I need help. But we don't want to get into the habit of saying your way is not the right way and you're doing it wrong just because it, it wasn't the way that we want it. And this could happen with sugars who develop differently, especially if they're in the same home and perceiving and observing the same thing. For our sugars with the diagnosis of autism, we know that the way that we reinforce language, the way that we reinforce play, the way that we reinforce things, it looks a little bit different than the way that it naturally occurred for our typically developing sugar. And so my question would be for you, did we promote at home that we might learn different, we might be different, but at the end of the day, we all have things in common and more things in common than we don't. We're just different in our own ways. And we must also be extremely careful about how we describe disorder versus difference and not let a disorder and a label become a handicap. Because sometimes, sometimes if we're not careful, If we pick up on language that makes sugar seem different because they have a label attached with them, that's why I say sugar with autism, not an autistic sugar. That's not their name. That's like saying clumsy Sharina. I don't want to be called clumsy Sharina. Sharina might be clumsy. But that's not who I am, not all the time. Like it's a part of me and it's going to show up. I might trip over my own feet every now and then some other little stuff. But again, you get my point. Like you don't want to be labeled as that. And so we have to be extremely careful to not introduce this child as this is autistic Sally. This is my daughter, you know, she's autistic. And that's that. Like Because if a person has poor stigma about autism, then assumptions can be made. And if we haven't made a good a good case as to what that looks like, then again, there can be stigma attached to that. And so we want to be really, really careful how we describe that. And and we need to all recognize again, going back to the differences, that we all have differences. And sometimes our differences are Disorders can make our differences shine a little bit more, but we also have strengths. And so we don't want to see the person as that diagnosis. And then another perception killer is the expectation across siblings. Were the expectations for the typically developing sugar the same as the atypically developing sugar? Well, they all have to learn. They all have to learn how to play. They all have to get along. They all have to have boundaries. But were the lines blurred in some ways that were a little bit unfair? It happens. Show yourself some grace. It happens. But this is what you do. Pick up your boots and stop doing that. You know, it's time to do something different. So you can't always excuse the behavior of the sugar with a disorder or a diagnosis just because they have that diagnosis. Because at a certain point, at a certain level, like kids are kids. And you can't let little Timmy tantrum for 30 minutes and be like, it's cool and coddling him when other little Sammy over here does the same thing and you're ready to like put him in a corner. Like that's not right. And so you have to be extremely careful how you measure those expectations and the, me- the message that you're sending out there. And finally... When you do that, the engagement becomes, well, it comes it becomes unattractive. Why? Because, well, they're getting a raw deal. <laughs> like, I, I can't say it any other way. Like, if the expectations for one is different for the other, then it, it's going to feel like a raw deal. If you go to a restaurant and you order a steak and the person next to you orders a steak and one person gets a tomahawk steak and the other person gets like this small little cube steak, but you're paying the same price for the same thing it's going to feel a little bit inequitable. And so I just want you, and not to say that I think your kids are steak. Your kids are not steak. They're totally not steak. But I want you to just understand that like, we want to try to be as equitable as possible. And if we do have different boundaries in place for a sugar who has a diagnosis, we better have a good reason that that's happening, not just because they have a diagnosis. That's not a good enough reason for me. So I need you to to dig a little bit deeper with that. Number four, except that they simply may not mesh. I mean, some people just don't mesh well together. I don't have any good reason why for that one. Like some people just don't get along. And while I don't agree with exclusion practices, I'm not good with that. Like I'm not good with if you have three kids in the home and two are off in their corner and the other one is like kind of doing their thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not with that. I don't agree with that. But I also want to be careful not to force sugar on anyone because that just makes them susceptible to kid abuse and kid abuse is no joke. So we don't want to do that either. We want to be really, really careful with that or at least moderate. And if you have, tried modeling play and demonstrating inclusion and everything else in your toolbox and it still ain't working just be willing to accept that you're not forcing sugar on anyone like that's not cool like we don't want to put sugar in a position to where they feel like they aren't accepted either like there's two sides to every coin and so we want to just tread lightly on that on making them do this and making them do that because they just seriously may not want to maybe what if third sugar didn't have a diagnosis and they still didn't get along like you're not going to make them go play just for the sake of play like you're not going to want to hear that after a while because they're always bickering and fighting and arguing and doing whatever else it's always tears right and so just be willing to accept that hey you guys just might not Genuinely like each other. So, putting on that lens of, yeah, they have this diagnosis, but like character wise, if I'm really paying attention, what do they have in common? Do they like the same stuff? Like, if little Timmy likes art, but little Samantha and little Julie over there, they're interested in Legos, then why would you make the artist go play Legos when they're not interested in that, and vice versa? So, keep that in mind as well don't just think that it's because of the diagnosis it could definitely be because of the diagnosis and maybe some difficulties with the interaction but also it could be that they just don't mesh well because they don't even have the same interest in the first place hmm? i'm just saying i'm just saying and if that is the case then i want you to go out there and find community that sugar does mesh with if sugar is an artist go find other artists get them in an art group if Sugar likes Legos, get them involved in the Lego group. There's so many ways that you could get them plugged in at this point, especially since Zoom and, and all of these virtual classes have become available. There's so many ways that you don't even have to leave your home and you can get them involved. And this way you're breaking down that stigma of, well, they got to play. I got to bring my sibling along and I don't even want them around. But you're also honoring that, hey, my sugar might have this diagnosis, but there's things about them that make them unique and individual. And there's things about them that they like to do. They're not just this definition of this diagnosis. Like they have so many other things about them. And so this puts them in a whole different light. And then finally, Keep talking to your sugars about acceptance and stigma. Now, maybe they do like different stuff, but maybe you guys come together in a different way to where mom and dad, you guys are the ones promoting game night to where you guys pick the game and everybody does together so you guys learn how to do things as a community but you also learn to accept that there may be some differences but again if they all have the same interest and they're just kind of leaving them out like you know that they all love tag and and little timmy ain't invited to tag i would stop him at the door like why can't they play I would totally stop them at the door. Like, that's not cool. They like tag just as much as you do. Ain't going to hurt nobody for you to chase after them and tag them. Why would you do that? That's not right. Would you like to be excluded from tag? That's when I go a little bit ham on them. But as far as, like, just simple, like, we have different interests and we don't even mesh. Yeah, let let them do their own thing. Five. For world changers with younger kids. I told y'all I was going to get back to y'all. Y'all thought I forgot about you. I ain't forget about nothing. I don't forget about nothing. But I did not forget about you guys. If you have younger sugars, there are things you could do right now. And honestly, a lot of the stuff that I said, do that now. But that ain't it only. (laughs) Get everyone involved early. Make it a collaborative Thing early. Make it an inclusionary thing early. Get everyone involved. Get everybody sitting down to play. Get everyone in on story time. Get everyone playing tag. Get them used to it right now and not in a forceful way, in a fun way. Like you tag somebody, mom, and go run and get it and go and take off, right? That's how we get everybody involved. Start the conversation about differences and diagnosis and stigma that can come along with that and even start asking them their challenges. It might be their norm in some way, but they might have heard something on the playground that didn't sound that favorable. So start asking like what, you know, what they think and what they feel and how they perceive things. Everybody, everybody in the house, because we want to keep everybody on one accord because this is your herd. This is your tribe. This is your people. And you want to make sure that everybody's got everybody's back. In world changer, world changer, please, please try your best to be equitable across sugars. Like this is the one area I've been hitting on it for the last 2 episodes about sibling equity because this is really where stuff falls apart. Sibling equity when things are inequitable, sugar who is typically developing is still a child. They don't understand why you're showing one so much grace over the other. They might say it, but it don't it don't feel good. It still doesn't feel good. So, you make sure that you have as much empathy for them. As you do for other sugar, because they're sacrificing a lot by sacrificing the thing that they love most. And that's you. And I know that might be a hard pill to swallow, but they love you that much that they're going to do whatever it takes to behave their way into getting you to look at them and pay attention to them, even if that means doing stuff that's out of character for them. So just try your best to just give equity across the board. Like, just try. And also avoid making unrealistic expectations for one over the other the than better, you know better don't do that or give in to everyone because they're kids like we can't do that either because that's teaching them nothing that that's teaching them that they can get away with anything and that the world revolves around them and all kinds of other stuff that we don't want to teach them so please world changer stay away from that as well World changer, I know that if you practice some of these strategies, I'm sure you're going to see some kind of change. I want you to see change. And I know this is not easy. And I know some of this stuff was hard to swallow, but it's the truth anyhow. And I want to make sure that our sugars are getting the foundation that they need to be set off in the right direction, in the right trajectory. And I really want... All of my sugars to be involved in play. I'm cheerleading for you all because I know that applying these tools, it literally takes one step at a time. Speaking of tools, did you pre-order your copy of um, Watch Me Connecting to Your Child Through Play? Did you share it on your page? Did you like? Did you join the mailing list at I'veGotThisKid.com? What did you do, world changer? One small, simple, free step. Sharing on your page joining the mailing list and pre-ordering your copy. That part's not free. But maintaining a healthy you, self-care is totally free. So I want you to make sure that you, after this show, go to the link below and get your copy because it's really time for us to start transforming play and rethinking play and rethinking the way that we're just attacking this stuff. And I want us all to be better together. So world changers. I will be doing one more episode for the month of November because you know what? We're going to spend Thanksgiving Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, somewhere in a food coma or somewhere in a walking coma. Somewhere doing something that has something to do with food, has something to do with relaxing, has something to do with something that just makes us feel like us. But I want you guys to take that time. So next week, we'll have an episode and that will continue down the path. Okay, we all just get along. My collaborative team won't collaborate. Dealing with conflicting goals. We're gonna deal with that next week. And that's gonna finalize our podcast episodes for the month of November. And then in the month of December... We will get right back into things. I cannot wait. And we'll take a little bit of a holiday break and then we'll be right back at it for the month of January. So next week, there's an episode. The following week, there is no episode. And then we're in it for December and then holiday break. Did you get that in your notes? I hope you did, world changers. I can't wait to see you next week. Oh, and don't forget to send in questions if you have any questions at questions at I've got this See, I've been remembering stuff. It just takes me a while. Marcel is gonna be cracking up at me, y'all. But hey, I did everything that I'm supposed to do, y'all. I can't wait to see you next week. Until the next time, take care.